and often just in doing that we we surface a couple of things where we're like oh have you considered using flow for this so um yeah i think it really helps having an external third party look at some of the processes with a bit of an eye to what can be automated um and and sort of uh, advocating hey did you know you can do this much easily much more easily right And we're live. Gavin, how you doing, my friend? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. We've had some <laughs> technical issues here on the recording, but I think we're in good shape. Uh, it's really cool to finally uh, chat with you. Um, we're going to dig into Shopify Flow and some of the interesting stuff that you, you guys do there at Disco Labs. Um, how do you introduce yourself when you're talking to potential clients, You know, merchants? What type of work do you guys focus on? Yeah, so we're a, a Shopify Plus focused agency, and we're also really focused on custom app development for merchants. Um, so we don't do design, we don't do um, marketing, we don't do theme dev or anything like that. We're purely focused on the sort of the back end things, so building systems to to help merchants hook their Shopify stores up to other systems or develop bespoke features for their customers, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes you guys, you, you know, pretty unique because a lot of, um, yeah, I kind of come from the Magento world and a lot of what makes Shopify unique is there's a lot of the backend stuff that you don't have to worry about as much that's handled really well. Um, but I think you, I remember when I saw your site recently and, you know, it's like a back, you're like a backend focused agency. And I think you might be, are you guys like the only one in that, in that category? I think you might be. Um, as far as I know, we're kind of the only ones that are sort of very exclusively focused on that. Um, so there are lots of other Shopify agencies that sort of aim to, to for the whole kit and caboodle. Um, and there's certainly lots of great agencies out there that can do app development as well. Um, but I think we're the only ones that are sort of just exclusively focused on that. And so we, like our, our team is very deep knowledge just on the app dev stuff. Um, and yeah. we, we found that to be pretty good. And it also means that we actually get to partner with and work with a lot of other agencies that, um, have, have amazing design skills, amazing front-end dev skills, but maybe just don't have um, the, the app development in-house. And so we get to partner with them and work with them. So we get to work with a lot of diff- different projects, different agencies, which right. is really nice. Right, right, right. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine that's done some work with you guys and on a on a um, on their checkout and, and doing like a native subscriptions via like a native checkout before all of the new stuff that's been released with the checkout API. And you guys had some unique unique ways of of making that work. Um, and so we wanted to dig into a, a bunch of different interesting Shopify flow use cases that you guys have done. Um, so we can jump into a screen share whenever you want or kind of stay high level, but I know you had a number of kind of interesting use cases, uh, around flow. Yeah, sure. Um, well, maybe I can touch first on the, um, the, the site that you're talking about with the, the custom subscription stuff, and then we can, we can dive into flow a little bit. Um, so because we've been working with Shopify plus merchants for quite a few years, um, we've, we've seen some of their their pain points and one of the big ones for a number of years has been a lack of subscription support natively inside of, of Shopify. Um, so you've got right. your apps that that do um, or did that and still do uh, recharge, 
old subscriptions, that sort of stuff, but they took you out to an external checkout. Um, so Shopify has obviously been really keen to get everything back into the native the native Shopify checkout. But um, some of the work we were doing with, with clients, um, one of our clients here in Australia, Foods, who's a food delivery service, um, who, you know, they deliver a box of meals to your doorstep every every couple of weeks. Um, obviously, subscription for them was a really big part of their business, but um, using an external checkout really wasn't an option. So um, it was, I think, about four years ago, we actually built a native subscription solution for them using the Shopify checkout. And as soon as we built that, we had a bunch of other plus merchants coming to us saying, hey, we, we really want that. Um, and that's when, when we started work on Submarine, which is our um, bespoke platform for, for tokenized subscriptions, upsells, that sort of stuff. Um, so designed very specifically at Shopify Plus merchants. Um, and, and that sort of released a couple of years ago ahead of Shopify adding its own native subscription support um, with its new subscription APIs, which is is great. It's going to make that native checkout experience available to a lot more merchants in the space, which is really nice. Um, where we sit is, is probably more for the, the merchants that have bespoke needs that aren't going to be met by those subscription APIs. They need to use a different payment processor or they need a really custom flow or they need to import tokens from an external system, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so as part of building that app, um, we we made a decision early on that because we were just targeting Shopify Plus merchants, we would leverage as much Shopify Plus stuff as possible. And, um, mm. and one of those things is Shopify Flow. Um, so they're Shopify Plus's automation tool, which is has a really nice workflow builder, um, hooks into a lot of key um, Shopify features and events and, and data and that sort of stuff. And we can, we can have a look at that in a second. Um, but we made the decision that because that tool is there, rather than our app doing a bunch of um, the, the work that we might otherwise be doing so for example sending an email to a customer when their subscription is about to happen um, we actually just plug directly into mm-hmm. Shopify flow and then that gives our merchants the ability to add their own custom logic inside of flow um, to decide when we're actually going to send this email out um, but it also allows them to plug it into different email systems so whether they're using Clavio or Dotmailer or something like that both of those Shopify apps have Shopify flow connectors, so you can plug into those, and um, we don't have people can use their existing email systems without us having to rebuild that. Um, so we've actually found that a really nice way to cut down the development work on our side um, when we're working with plus merchants, while giving them the option of, of keeping their existing tools and, and making things just hook up and play nicely. So that's yeah, that's been really nice from a dev perspective. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Shopify flow integration. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so that probably leads us into into Shopify Flow itself, which I don't know if your audience wants the the elevator pitch on Flow, or um, do you think they're all pretty yeah. across it by now? Um, actually, well, real quick, how did you do the subscription uh, subscri- tokenized stuff in the native checkout? Like, like high level, like how did that work? Yeah, um, so because we've been around the Shopify ecosystem for a while, um, and I started working in it. I think it is a decade ago now, which is kind of scary, but um, we we worked with um, a number of payment gateway uh, integrations. And so Submarine, the, the, the app is a combination of its own um, payment gateway, 
and which we mm-hmm. customize and for the merchant inside of the checkout, um, which again is something that's only available for, for Shopify Plus merchants, um, right. and then an app on the back end. So um, customers are still going through the native Shopify checkout. It plays nicely with um, other Shopify payment methods. So you, we have merchants that use Shopify payments for all of their one-time purchases, but they'll swap over to us when they need to use subscription payments and things like that. Um, Super high level. That's so. Is it just like on the product level? Like you'll have a product that's has an attribute on it that's that the system knows it's a it's a, a monthly recurring it's a subscription product, and then in the uh, checkout you'll have some logic to determine which payment method to use based on kind of the cart details. Yeah, pretty much exactly. Um, because submarine's a pretty bespoke solution, we, we're working directly with the merchants themselves to implement it, often with agencies that are doing all of their front-end design and dev. Um, and so that means that you know, if the merchant wants to manage how whether products are su- subscription products or not with tags or with metadata or um, they want everything to be subscribable, all of that is, is pretty in, um, doable. It, it's a very mm-hmm. flexible system and, and really at the start of a project, we sit down with the merchant and we say, hey, you know, what's going to be easiest for you? What do you want your business logic to be? And then because it's a, a bespoke sort of thing, then we can we can customise it for, for them specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So it means it's not a one-click install sort of solution. But um, again, we're, there's, there's going to be a lot of one-click um, solutions for subscription stuff for, for merchants, um, especially with the new APIs. So... We're really right. focused on those um, edge edge cases for, for large right. merchants. Right, right. Um, nice. Yeah. Nice. All right, so elevator pitch for Flow. <laughs> let's, let's get that going. Yeah. Um, automation tool, I guess, is the easiest way to say it. And I think that's something that's becoming a lot more common across e-commerce platforms, software in general, really. Um, so giving people the ability to um, customize workflows within a tool mm-hmm. that doesn't require coding knowledge or anything like that and just take some right. of those regular tasks off the plate for people who, uh, who, who are using it or doing something that's sort of bespoke business logic for, um, right. for you. So shop, I mean, I think no code, no, no code, no, the dream of no code. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a developer, um, no code sounds scary to me, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I think right. there's plenty of code involved in making no code work. And, and it is, I think it's about, um, it's about hitting the, the low-hanging fruit, you know, the stuff that um, you, you want merchants to be able to do for themselves rather than having to come to you every time they want to um, set up a little task or automate something. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it lets developers focus on bigger impacts, more leverage sort of stuff. So I think it's, right. it's a win all around for, for right. everyone. Um, yeah, so um, Shopify flows, uh, Shopify's addition to, to that kind of concept. Right. Um, it's a it's a workflow tool, visual builder to say if this happens, then do this thing. Um, so pretty similar to, to what a lot of other tools have these days. Right. Um, it's it's available only for for Shopify Plus merchants, so it's sort of targeted at those those large merchants and is is one of right. the offerings that Plus has uh, over the other um, other platforms. Um, right. And then there are also some. Uh, for, for other merchants, they aren't necessarily left out in the cold in the Shopify world. There are um, a number of other third-party apps that that offer automation stuff. Um, some of them are sort of more targeted towards developers. Others are sort of trying to essentially replicate a sort of graphical workflow tool like Flow, but for, for all Shopify merchants. 
Um, so it's, it's something that's available um, in one yeah. form or another to everyone on the on the Shopify platform. Yeah, one one question I have, and it might make sense to answer this as we get into some of the specific nuts and bolts of the of the examples, or it might make sense more on a higher level. But like when you look at the overall landscape of some of these options for automation, there's Flow, there's Mesa, Mechanic, Alloy, which I saw recently. Um, what are like some of the strengths and weaknesses of each? Are there air, like are there gaps in what Flow can do where another product can can fill that? Like, what's kind of the overall like overview of all these different options out there? Yeah, um, so I'll speak to the ones that I know the best first, and then we can touch on the other ones. But um, so uh, the the two sort of automation tasks apps that are, that are, I would say are my go to for non plus stores um, are Mechanic, um, which is a really thorough app that lets you um, build workflow automation stuff. Um, and then Arigato is another one. Um, so Mechanic is very developer-focused. Um, they do give you a lot of sort of out-of-the-box workflows, but the way that you actually impl implement all of it is by writing liquid code. Um, so for some merchants who may be a little more technical and are comfortable already with like editing their theme in, in Shopify mm -hmm. or and doing some basic theme stuff, it, it may be accessible. Um, but I think it's really its target market is super or technical teams for merchants and or agencies or freelancers working with those merchants and building out those mm -hmm. flows. But it is a really powerful tool for that, but it's definitely more technical, uh, technically focused. Um, mm -hmm. Arigato is, is, sort of like Shopify flow for non-plus merchants. It's got a similar graphical interface where you have trigger events and you can set up some logic for your workflows and, and plug that into other things. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it, it's pretty well, well featured. It probably covers um, a significant amount of what, what flow has for plus merchants. Um, once you're a plus merchants, I think, you know, you've got flow there for free. So probably would lean towards using that rather than a third party tool. Um, but right. for merchants where that's not an option, then then I think Arigato is um, really handy, um, and 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 both of those tools are um, very Shopify focused. Um, and the, the other two that you you mentioned, um, Alloy and and Mesa. Um, so Alloy is more of a general um, e-commerce automation tool, so it's certainly not right. focused just on Shopify, but it is focused on the e-commerce domain. Um, and again, that it sort of it sits out shop, outside of Shopify. Shopify is one of its inputs and outputs. Um, right. But yeah, it, it definitely has a, has a really nice interface for putting together that um, those sorts of workflows and plugging into their external systems. So I think if if Shopify was a smaller part of a larger e-commerce uh, operation, then Ally certainly looks like it'd be a, a good tool to sort of bridge the gap between all of those different different systems. Um, and then Mesa, I have to say, I, I don't have a lot of experience with it, um, but um, it, 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 again, I think it looks a bit like Zapier for, um, for e-commerce and Shopify in, in, in particular, where you have some predefined tasks and operations and you can plug them into Shopify and then your external systems. Um, so I guess they're all, at the end of the day, trying to, to get something... Um, or trying to achieve the same thing, 
Um, I think mm. it's the, the target market and the target use cases slightly differ. So, yeah, I'd say right. Mechanic and Mesa are sort of more tech, more focused towards the technical teams and devs, um, whereas Alloy mm. and, and um, Arigato are sort of more out of the box. I'm a merchant with who's you know, savvy but not a coder, so I can put that sort of stuff together myself. Right. Nice. All right, cool. Well, yeah, man, let's jump into some of these use cases. Yeah, sure. Um, so I will just share my screen with you. You can see what flow actually looks like in the flesh. This is actually the first time I've I've seen it, other than like some rough screenshots um, back from like a long time ago. So I'm I'm excited. Ah, cool. All right, we'll, we'll give you the the, sh the quick tour. So um, this is our Shopify spectacles here. <laughs> um, the Shopify admin, um, Shopify Flow is installed and operates just like any other app on a Shopify Plus store. So you get it into the apps, into the app section, and you open up Flow. Um, and Flow has a bunch of workflows that you define so um, to perform different actions. And you'll see what that is a bit more concretely in a second. Um, then one of the useful things that Shopify Flow does have, it has a built-in templates um, tool. So um, they have a whole bunch of existing templates that other people have created that do common actions. Um, so just scrolling through that, you can sort of get a sense of, of what they are. Um, and they include not only um, Shopify-focused actions. Um, so, uh, for example, this one here, prompting customer reach out for high-value returns. So that'll be a workflow that will be um, looking at returns that are coming in and then sending out an email to your staff member to um, to flag, hey, this was a high-value return. Right. You might want to look into that. Um, so that's... By the way, just sorry, real quick. Could you bump up your font size a little oh, bit sure. just in case people are like looking at this on their on their phone or something like that? They yeah, can is that a bit better? See it a little better. Yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely a little better. Great, awesome. Sorry about that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so yeah, so that's a very um, uh, internal to Shopify sort of action. But then one of the nice things about Flow is that as a Shopify app developer, you can build a shop Shopify Flow connector into your app. Um, and then from the second that you've done that um, inside of Shopify Flow, the actions and the triggers that your app exposes will be visible in that workflow builder. Um, so it, it does make it really easy to um, to plug your two apps that may not talk to each other um, together with a sort of, I guess, flow in that case is working as kind of a standardized interface between two apps um, without those two apps necessarily having to actually coordinate or know anything about each other. Um, and as a result, you've got, you can see these apps that, um, or these flow workflow templates that are using um, third-party apps. So again, example, the one I have my um, mouse over at the moment, um, Push Out, which is a push notification app um, that built a te template to say when a Launchpad sales event so that's a Shopify Plus feature where you can schedule a product launching. Um, you can also automatically uh, push a series of push notifications out to, to everyone else with um, with push out. So that, that template stuff is is certainly handy for um, merchants who install Flow for the first time and they might be wondering, okay, what what are some of the things that I can do to save myself time? Um, so you can you can take a look through the, this and get some ideas pretty quickly. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, so that's the templates part. Um, and then the connectors, what I was talking about before, apps that you have installed into your Shopify store that support Shopify flow will um, show up in here. You can see there's a couple of ones out of the box that, that Shopify flow supports. So Slack, Trello, Google Sheets, Asana, um, and then any app that you uh, install that supports the flow connectors will show up there as well. Um, and there's a, there's actually in the Shopify app store, there's a, um, a collection which shows you all of the um, apps that support flow. So always, if you're, if you're a plus merchant, you're, tossing up between oh, cool. two apps always a good thing to think about is does it support flow and um you know, might i want to look at automating things in there so that's handy and and by the way to be included in that list do they have to be part of that certified or, or a, a verified shopify plus apps or is that just a totally separate um thing yeah i don't believe so i think any app that has a um a plus connector uh, sorry a shopify flow connector um can can flag that with um with a shopify app team and be included in that collection um nice. so i don't think it needs to be a, a plus certified app cool um, yeah i guess getting back to the to the workflows which is the the core of what um, Shopify flow is, um, we can take a look at some of the workflows. Um, I've just got some of them, um, open here. So this is what Shopify flow looks like. Um, again, I'll just zoom in a little bit so you can see that a bit better. Um, so the, you've got your workspace here where you can, um, create your flow workflows All workflows start with a, a trigger event. So you can select it might, might make more sense if I actually start from scratch and show you a blank one. Um, so all, do it live. Yeah. Always, always scary doing anything live. Um, <laughs> so that's why I have the, the ones I prepared earlier. But um, okay. all workflows start with a trigger action. So if something happens somewhere in your store or from an app, um, and you can, as you can see, there's a whole bunch of different events that can happen inside of Shopify. Um, actually, since... Uh, opening this up this morning to, um, to prepare for this, uh, podcast, I noticed that there's, they've added a couple of additional, um, actions in here recently. So it's always oh, wow. good to know. Um, an event happens, something happens, a customer gets created, uh, and you then go into a, what I think a lot of you listeners would be familiar with, which is sort of a workflow where you can add conditions on things and then do things based on those conditions. So, um, if the, uh, let's say the customer, uh, say if the email includes, so maybe you want to check and see if anyone from Microsoft signs up for your, um, for your website, then you can then perform an action. Um, so potentially um, something on that customer itself, so add a tag or something like that. Um, or perform an external action like sending an email. So you might want to get notified if anyone from Microsoft signs up to your site. Um, and then you could also plug it into your uh, external systems. So, um, again, you could go straight to Slack, um, create a card in Trello. If it's potentially that's a, a lead or something like that, um, you can plug that into there. Um, so that's the basic concept, and you, you can continue chaining these if conditions, add multiple conditions, um, and then perform multiple actions um, or different actions depending on the results of those um, 
those logic gates. So that's right. the the um, the gist, uh, I guess. Um, I I can step you through a couple of um, the examples that we've seen merchants use it for, and I, I think what we've found is that. Um, as soon as merchants start using it for one thing, they start to realize the, the usefulness of it in other areas of their business. Um, so <laughs> it definitely it definitely snowballs. So we yeah. we have merchants that would have um, dozens, if not nearly a hundred uh, flow workflows in in production, doing a whole oh, bunch wow. of different stuff. Wow! Um, yeah, and you don't have to worry about. Um uh performance issues scalability it just you could throw a hundred of these suckers in there and it just works yeah well the the nice thing about flow is that it's running on shopify's infrastructure so it, it is it is very oh, tightly coupled with shopify itself um which means yeah. the latency latency between the shopify app um or the platform itself and the flow app um is is quite um short so um we certainly haven't seen significant performance issues. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and again, once you've set these flows up, they're sort of running in the background. So um, ideally you don't actually have to think about them or be waiting on, on things for, to, yeah. to finish. Um, Do you think that uh, for plus merchants in general, flow is sort of underutilized? Like I was listening to a podcast and somebody was saying like, oh yeah, we're on plus and we probably should be using flow more or something like that. And I kind of like, I kind of like, huh. I wonder if that's a general thing among a lot of plus merchants, obviously that haven't worked with you yet. Cause I'm sure once they work with you, then <laughs> they're, they're fired up on it. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely a fair, fair comment. Um, like I said, I think once people start using it for some things, they, they start to see a lot of other places um, in the business or in their workflows that they can, um, they can use it for. But there's also just, you know, merchants are, super busy they've got a lot of things um on their mind so perhaps learning a new tool or even just taking the time to stop take a step back and look at their current workflow processes um they, they're not doing that because they've got a whole bunch of other stuff to get done so i think that um, mm-hmm. it can be really useful especially if, if you're a partner or a developer or a free, freelancer um, and you're working with a plus merchant for the first time. Um, so quite often what we'll do when we start working with someone is is a bit of um, uh, research into their workflow processes to really understand how the business works. And, and often just in doing that, we we surface a couple of things where we're like, oh, have you considered using Flow for this? So, um, yeah, I think it really helps having an external third party look at some of the processes with a bit of an eye to what can be automated um, right. and, and sort of uh, advocating, hey, did you know you can do this much easier, right. much more easily? Right. What, what's your process for talking through, uh, you know, businesses, workflows and things like that? Do you just get on the phone and say, hey, tell me how you guys work? Um, a lot of times people aren't even aware of all the things that are going on or that are inefficient. Or like, how, what, how do you go through that process? Yeah, well, we do this pretty often in the context of building a custom app to, to support a merchant's um, flow. So um, a good example might be when we're looking at build, uh, connecting to two systems together, so Shopify and an external order management system, for example. Um, mm-hmm. The first thing we do is work out what problem are we actually trying to solve, and often it seems pretty obvious because it's we've got these orders in Shopify, you need to send these types of orders to this order management system, map it with these values being mapped 
um, and then these or the, this set of orders to this other system with these set of values maps. Um, and so the, the scope of that problem might seem pretty straightforward at first, but um, I think rather than just sit down and go, okay, well, we need to get orders from Shopify to these external systems and we know we need to build a connector and this, this, and this, um, we will actually get the merchant to step through, okay, what's the exact process you're using for this now? Um, show us on a screen step by step um, and then start some questions along the way to, to, to be things like, uh, well, I do an export of all the orders as a CSV from Shopify. I go through these, I apply this filter, um, and then those orders get copied across and sent over there. Um, and as someone's actually stepping you through the process, there's often just a bunch of things that have built up over years of that process being the way that it gets done um, without right. necessarily an eye to, um, well, why is that actually happening? And um, you know, why are you mapping that value to that when um, you know, in this external system it actually supports um, the original value in Shopify? Uh, so, yeah, just just sitting down and asking the people that are doing the thing at the moment how you're right. actually getting this done really helps with that a lot of the time. Right. Nice. Nice. That's great. Um, cool. Should we should we have a quick look at some of these um, yeah. example use cases? It'll be once you get the the gist of what flow is doing it becomes pretty pretty obvious so we we don't have to spend a lot of time on it but um just some examples of some of the really common ones that that we see merchants using that are i guess the low-hanging fruit often um mm. things like low stock no notifications you can install an app to do that for you but if you've got flow you can set something up really easily to do that that you then have quite a lot of customization over um so when an inventory quantity changes for a product then we just right. send an email to us letting us know what, this is what this is oh sorry i would say th this is one of the questions i have in general is um the overlap with apps and like i know for example there's like a loyalty program kind of a used case there's this one um like and and the question might be more relevant to like the loyalty program stuff but um uh so maybe i should have waited until then to get <laughs> get into it but like if somebody like it like if there's like this one makes sense as a standalone feature actually but you mentioned like kind of the overlap with apps and like with the loyalty program one which i think we're going to get into is like why would somebody it seems like and i don't know that much about you know all of the loyalty app apps for shopify but it seems like there's this rich ecosystem of, of loyalty apps and i would think that they would want to use one of those and just have a full-fledged loyalty program but like what's the use case for wanting to do a simpler subset of functionality for things like that yeah i, I think the key word there is is simpler um and I think a really good example, Let, let's skip to the, the loyalty yeah. one. I'll just find it here. Oh, look, there you go, first tab. Um, hey. <laughs> getting a bit big. But, um, so this is how you could implement a really simple loyalty system inside of, of Shopify Flow, which is anytime an order gets paid, then we look, we look at the um, total spend of that customer. If it's more than $100, we added a particular tag, which is bronze VIP. Um, it happens to be more than that then we add a silver VIP tag. Um, that's it really. So that logic will get, get applied and you'll have your customers that are over time getting tagged with bronze and then silver VIP. Um, and then on the front end perspective, you can 
be using the fact that that customer has that tag to, um, for example, if you're if you have a silver only collection of products, you can um, either use some theme customizations or potentially a tool like Locksmith, which um, can control what pages you can see based on tags. Um, you could use those tools to make that an exclusive collection, um, or you could use Shopify scripts to give those VIP customers a a 5% discount across the store. Um, and so you could do all of that within just the Shopify platform itself and not have to rely on any third-party apps. Um, so that's that's obviously the, the – it's a really simple way to get it up and running quickly. Um, it, it doesn't have all of the features that you might have if you were using um, Loyalty Line or Smile or, or something like that. Um, you know, you, you're going to have to look at custom ways to handle redeeming points or, or things like that. Um, but if you wanted to just, as a merchant, if you've never if you'd never had a loyalty program before and you wanted to find out if we offered one, what what will the impact actually be? Um, you know, this is a way you could get one set up in 15 minutes and send out the, the marketing email and see what happens rather than having to install, configure, pay for, and potentially integrate um, a full-blown loyalty app into your Shopify mm-hmm. store and, and get that all set up and running. So um, I think there's a really strong um, argument for, for Flow if you just want to be prototyping something or just want to experiment with things. Um, it's, mm. you know, it's meant to be one of the advantages of, of a SaaS Shopify platform and the Shopify ecosystem in general is just being able to get something up, up and running really quickly, um, prototype, experiment, iterate without having to spend a whole bunch of time um, on development. So I think Flow really fits in nicely there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, quick, quick kind of detail question. Um, when you're talking about if somebody wanted to go in and, and quickly segment out their customers and send out an email, I know this particular trigger is off of an order paid trigger. Mm-hmm. So that'll run on a continuous basis every time there's an order paid. But if I wanted to go in and run these segments against my entire existing um, customer base? Is there a way to run it, like run all or some some kind of a thing like that? Um, not at the not with Flow, um, and that's probably one of, one of its limitations is around um, the the nature of the actions that it can it can perform. So um, there's no way for it to look back at all your existing customers and go through and, and run that. Um, so we one of our sort of side products is um, a little, uh, I guess you'd almost call it an expansion pack for Shopify Flow, which adds some some additional features um, in, into Flow. And one of those is things like delayed time triggers. Um, and then another one that we get quite often is I've created this flow. I really want to be able to, um, to run this against every single um, Aha. customer. Nice, but, but you, you could you could also um, actually um, work your way around that a little bit because um, if you were to, for example, I'm have to change this to a no. I was thinking this was me thinking on the fly, but. Um, if there's a customer, <laughs> if there was a customer updated trigger, for example, uh-huh. um, you right. could start with the customer updated trigger, apply that logic in the tag, um, and then you could just do a, 
a bulk update of all your customers using the import export feature, mm. um, but mm -hmm. and that would trigger the update. Um, right, but uh, they don't support cu um, customer. So that explains why they don't have the customer update in there. It's probably would be trickier to implement. Potentially, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that that sort of stuff is definitely. Um, uh, it is. Um, one of the limitations of flow and right. it's part of the, it's, it's part of the, the architecture behind their app because it's, it's built to support the Shopify scale. It doesn't have like inside of right. flow. It doesn't have a record of every single customer you have. It doesn't have um, the ability to store data and then use it later down the track. Um, right. So because of that, it means there's some, some of the limitations around right. that. Um, and that's potentially, and Oh, sorry. Your um, ex the expansion pack is Trickle. Is that the? Uh... Yes. Well, I'll, I'll, squ yeah. I'll squeeze a little plug in for it, but yeah, it really please, comes. Please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it really comes out of um, having worked with merchants and seeing some of those common pain points. Um, and and so what Trickle is, it's a it's an app that you install into your Shopify store, and then it just adds some additional um, triggers and um, actions inside of of Shopify Flow. Um, ones that aren't supported natively by by Shopify. Um, so a good example um, is uh, when tags, customer tags change. So that isn't something that's supported out of the box with um, with Flow. So you can add these new events, and you can also have these other actions. Um, so, and one of the ones that is most used by people using Trickle um, is the the scheduling feature. So you can have an event. You can then schedule something to happen a certain amount of time afterwards. Um, and I, I think I might have a yeah um, a good example here, which is um, if a customer joins a, um, a VIP program. So we're assuming that um, the the customer, there's some system that's adding a VIP tag to a customer, we're able to um, schedule a trigger for the future so that. Um, we can say after that happens, you know, I've got in 15 seconds here, which is um, probably an unrealistic um, use case, but you could schedule that to in two days, in 24 hours, in eight hours or something like that. Um, you can schedule that and then at a later date, a new workflow will run um, and you could do some different things with that. For example, send a, a welcome email or um, or something like that. So nice. that, that sort of delayed um delayed uh, trigger flow is, is something that we find uh, people like quite a lot. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day and uh, I don't remember what we were talking about flow. And then he was like, yeah, it really needs a scheduling feature because of X, Y, and Z. And then I think I had just chatted with you about it and I told him about it and I sent him the thing and he's like, what is this? And, and I go, oh yeah, it's Gavin built it and stuff. And he's like, this is exactly what I need. And he was like all excited. <laughs> well, <laughs> stuff. So it was, yeah. it's perfect. That's good to hear. Um, and then the, I'll, I'm almost done with the plug, but um, the, the other thing that uh, I quite like that we've added recently is um, the ability to add line items to orders. Um, and so this is piggybacking off the order editing functionality that, that Shopify released not too long ago. Um, but we had the idea of how would you hand, like you can use this to, to actually um, quite nicely take a deposit for a product and then um, collect the balance of it later because um, Shopify's order editing lets you add a line item to an order and then send an invoice to a customer. 
Um, so we had the idea of if um, we have a particular skew in our store, which is represents a deposit for an expensive thing. So let's say this is a hundred dollar deposit for a thousand dollar product. Um, so a customer can go through and buy that that product, um, and we can set up a flow that will then automatically add um, a particular variant, which could be the eighty percent balance of that order um, into the into that original order, and you can also flick off an email to the customer that is um, sending them an invoice for the balance. Um, so that sort of stuff is is really nice, nice to be able to implement reasonably straightforwardly with um, with just a couple of extra um, couple of extra actions. And that, I think that's one of the nice things about Flow as well is because it's a common system that everyone else in the Shopify ecosystem is plugging into. Um, we can create this one action. And there are, you know, millions of different ways that that could actually be used or in combination with other apps and things right. like that. So right. um, it is a, you know, every action, every trigger that gets added, there's an exponential addition to, to what's possible with it, which is um, just kind of cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And so if somebody wants to use Trickle, um, is that something that they, they can by themselves is it uh only if they work with you how do like what does that look like yeah no it's um there there's a web website um which i'll bring up on screen at the moment but um you can uh, we can also check in the show notes um this is the website that sort of just has the overview uh gives you a breakdown on all the different things that you can do um and how you actually install it and, and get started so it's, it's um the idea is very much for it to be a tool for anyone to use um it's not in the shopify app store because it is a plus only like you can only really use it if you're using shopify flow you can therefore only right. use it if you shopify plus and um the app right. store doesn't carry plus only apps but um yeah the idea is that the same way that flow is a tool for merchants to be able to just get up and running without having to do any code trickle is meant to be a, and it addition to that, which just gives you some extra features. Um, so as a merchant, you, you shouldn't, these doc, docs are ideally anything you, um, or, or you need to get up and running. Um, but of course you can, you can hit me up and uh, bug me with lots of questions. Very happy to do that. Awesome. Very cool. Um, let's see here. Where were we? Um, we were um, we still going through. Are we? Uh, yeah, I think we had uh, another couple of examples. That are happy to to step through super quickly. Um, again, I think once you get the um, gist of it, it makes sense. But some of the other ones that we see people use this is, this is a really simple one. But um, just capturing low risk orders. Um, so Shopify has its built in risk evaluation tool, and it also allows you to um, have credit card payments or orders get paid by a credit card when you go through the store but not actually capture the payment at the time that you go through. So you, you just authorize the, the payment. Right. Um, this Shopify flow will just look at the risk level that Shopify has evaluated on the orders and it can capture it automatically immediately. And then it leaves the medium and the higher risk orders for you to manually review and capture. Um, mm -hmm. And that is a much nicer way of um, dealing with fraudulent orders than capturing the payment and then refunding it because um, if you capture the payment uh, and then refund it, you don't get refunded the, um, the transaction fees that you paid for the, for the order. So 
um, just setting this up might actually be saving you if you have a, a reasonably high number of um, fraudulent orders. Um, it can really re- reduce your um, your risk level with your payment processor um, and reduce the amount of, of fees you're losing in um, the lack of those refund fees. That's a nice, nice. Um, and now this is another one, like there's different fraud, third-party fraud services yep. and then the Shopify zone service and stuff like that. Um, you, and, and you're dealing with the really good sized, uh, merchants, right. That are on plus what, like, is this the kind of thing that makes sense? Like, um, practically for them versus just plugging in a solution that they don't have to really you know, think too much about the details. It just kind of works. Yeah. I think it's, it's really going to come down to. I, I tend to find that merchants who have a particular, a particularly good understanding of their fraud patterns, or who maybe have um, unique fraud patterns, benefit from uh, a third-party app that is specifically targeted at, at that um, at that problem. Um, Shopify's built-in fraud is is actually. I think really good and getting better and better and better because they have the data across every single merchant on that platform. So that they really, in terms of the data they have access to, it is probably um, almost unmatched by any other single right. provider. Um, yeah, I mean payments is like their core business, so that that actually that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I, I think that what they have out of the box is really really good, and it gets better. Um, and and the the only downside of it is they're looking at um, these million merchants uh, across the globe and, and looking at every single fraud signal. Um, so they're really looking at it across a huge range of, of, of merchants. So if you are a merchant that has a specific, um, say you have a specific problem with friendly fraud in, in the US um, versus stolen credit card numbers coming from um, Indonesia, um, Maybe there are subtle differences in in the type of fraud protection you need, particularly. Um, and in that mm-hmm. case, perhaps it's worth talking to. And and if you have a particular fraud problem on your on your store, it's worth talking to the third party apps and seeing if there's something they have that can help your specific situation. Um, mm-hmm. But I, almost always, my recommendation is unless you're coming into it with an existing fraud provider or you know you need something. Look at the Shopify um, fraud, let it do, do its job, um, and then if you're seeing a high incidence of fraud, then um, it's worth digging into it. But it's pretty good out of the box. Right, right. And so Shopify does not, uh, by default, refund you the transaction fees. I think that um, I think you know it's funny. I think Stripe did that for the longest time, and I remember them at one point changing that. Or at least I saw them announce that they changed it, but then I noticed my own Stripe payments refunds would still they'd still uh, took care of the transaction fee and the refunds for me. So I don't know if I was maybe grandfathered in. Yeah, they um, they did um, grandfather a lot of people into that. Um, so I think that's still the case for some um, Stripe accounts. I don't know if they'll eventually right. get rid of that rule for everyone, but um, because right. Shopify Payments is built on Stripe under the hood, um, when Stripe right. brought that rule in. Shopify basically had to. Right, 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 right. Nice. Okay. Cool. I love it. Um, yeah. Next cool. and up. I think, yeah, um, so this is the last one that, that I had to talk through, but this is another common one. Um, it is just for merchants that want to flag particular types of orders. Um, 
So and a common use case we see is when you've got a particular shipping method that's like express and just having a system in place to really flag that with the um, the warehouse management system or the team in the warehouse. Um, so, for example, if an order is created and there's a shipping um, line that is express or whatever your um, the titles of your express shipping options um, are, you can add a tag to the order and often order tags will flow through into an external um, work management system. So, you you know, maybe you can have a rule inside of your warehouse system that says if you have this tag, then, you know, we put it in red, we make sure we know it's a high priority. Um, right. And then alternatively we can also, and this is an example of doing taking two actions based on this outcome, um, you can also flick off an email to, um, to our warehouse um, team and just say, hey, heads up, you've got this express order. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, just things like that. So it might, it might be particular um, shipping method. It might be that it's a particular payment right. method, um, so like an afterpay order or right. something like that. Uh, it might be something shipping to a particular location, um, anything right. like that you can detect and flag. Right. And I'm also wondering with something like this, like w- would it be easier to do this inside of your, you know, ship station or your warehouse management software? Like I'm, I'm sure they have similar rules for this kind of a thing. So what, what's the, like, what's the, what's the rationale doing it in flow versus in, in those external systems? Yeah. I mean, if, if the external system can, can do all of that and handle that, then, um, then that's, that's great. Um, I guess situations where um, perhaps that work, that system doesn't have access to the data that you care about. So um, shipping is probably not a great example because most warehouse systems are going to be pulling in the shipping right. data, right. but a right. lot of warehouse systems wouldn't be pulling in the payment method of the order. Um, so if, if right. the external system isn't aware of it. Um, another th- situation might be where you have multiple f- fulfillment systems. Um, so we would um, sometimes have merchants who are using two different warehouses to fill orders that are going to different places. Um, and so for, for consistency to have one piece of logic inside of Shopify to perform that logic and then it can apply it across um, uh, across all orders rather than having to set it up in two separate places. Mm, right, 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 right. Um... I actually, I had a buddy that, that is, uh, that has an app, a post-purchase app. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, I want to pick your brain on the fly about this use case, <laughs> but basically like for certain like plus merchants that have uh, ship ship station, I want to say, um, that the, uh, the, the, the post-purchase flow um, so ShipStation is pulling. So I think the way his thing works is it edits the order after the fact. There might be a, a couple of minute delay or something like that where it adds the post purchase. Mm-hmm. And ShipStation is pulling the order in too fast, so he he can't get to it before ShipStation pulls it in. And I was just thinking maybe there's a way to do that with uh, with Flow. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so I, I think was curious how you might. Or, I know order, you might that well, much detail for you, but yeah, no, no, I get, I get that. Um, so order editing um, was a great addition for merchants and a huge pain in the ass for um, all developers who have to deal with it. Because um, right. a, lo- a lot of systems just have this built-in assumption that once an order is created in Shopify, 
that's the order, um, which was the case for a very long time. And it is one of the reasons that order editing took so long to get into the platform is because there was just that assumption baked in in so many places. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't – this would be a great uh, situation if, for example, um, ShipStation had a Shopify flow um, integration. I don't know if they do off the top of my head, but um, mm. that, as an example, mm-hmm. what you could do is um, – not rather than ShipStation pulling directly from the order created webhook um, of um, of um, Shopify, uh, you could have your order created flow trigger something, um, and you could then have a delay using something like Trickle saying um, wait twenty minutes or probably less than that, depending on how long the post purchase upsell takes. Um, right. wait, wait five minutes and then notify ShipStation, hey, this is an order that you should pull into your system um, and either push, right. push that order payload across or um, tell ShipStation, hey, can you pull this order in? Um, right. So, yeah, so that's kind of how you could, could look at um, solving right. that. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of these cases also, you talk to ShipStation in this example and say, hey, this is a problem we're experiencing and often they'll be able to help you out with that directly. But um, in a lot of the cases they can't, or they just say, well, that's not a big enough use case for enough of our merchants for us to care about. Um, right. And so in that case, the, the effort you go to to set up, set up a flow and just have a slightly different approach that's custom for your business, um, it's a lot less effort than saying, all right, well, we need to find a different shipping yeah. system. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, and that's a great example of where if they did have that built out, um, all of a sudden a customization like that, which would have taken custom API integration or, you know, dealing individually is just handled. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it opens you up to exponential amounts of, uh, integration combinations and stuff like that. So, um, that'd be cool to see if they, they had that, um, Nice. Well, thanks for walking through all that. That was cool to get um, a better, you know, some better visibility into some of the specifics. I think I'm starting to wrap my head around it a little better. Um, and it's neat, you know, all the stuff that that you can do in there. Um, so um, what else was I going to, I know we're a little bit over our time. You doing okay on time? Yeah, I can stick around for a bit. Cool. Um, you know, I think the last question I had, I've been thinking about, um, performance uh front end um you know like google lighthouse type stuff core web vitals and stuff and i know you deal mostly on the back end do you do you on the back end um do you look at uh front end performance stuff at all or do you because i know like front end development you don't really touch do you not really uh worry at all about front end optimization stuff yeah i I mean i definitely used to when i when i was sort of starting out as a freelancer in the shopify ecosystem very much as a jack of all trades um and i did quite a bit of theme development and um to another plug wrote a book about it at one stage um so it's definitely something that we we see a lot of um yeah yeah so performance has certainly become more of a focus for for merchants um historically i think they were more focused on the features and functionalities and what their site looked like versus um how quick it was, which I always found quite frustrating. Um, there's now decades of research on how, um, you know, one second faster in load speed is equivalent to three or 4% conversion rate boost. Like it's a very yeah. significant um, correlation. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. and, I, and I think Shopify has started to address that as well because they've realized that, um, you know, if, if they're getting a reputation for having slow themes and th- slow websites, even if at the end of the day it's kind of the fault with the merchants that are using the platform by just right. throwing a bunch of apps on or, or uploading, you know, 100 megabyte right. bit images and things like that, um, right. it's not a good place for them to be in. So I think that's the motivation behind them releasing the, the page or the site speed rank. So when you look at your theme inside your admin, you can see a number, which is, hey, this is how fast your site is. Yeah. I, I don't love that approach, like just chucking a number on it, especially so the way it works, it takes the average of your Google Lighthouse score. So Google Lighthouse is a tool that, that gives you a number, performance number based on um, they look at your homepage and then I think it's the most visited product page and the most visited collection page, mm-hmm. aggregate that average and then give you a number. Um, right. And I, yeah, I, I have a few issues with that being their sort of approach um, because because there are really fast sites out there that do really well. Um, they get terrible scores. So I think I was reading the other day, Gymshark had a um, score of six out of a hundred and they're a multi-billion dollar business. So I, I think, and I've got, the I looked read- at all birds the other day. It's like a nine. Yeah. You know? So it's, and a big part of that is that Google lighthouse is using the metrics that they know about um, in terms of, and the technologies that that are being used to serve site. Um, And so a lot of that is not actually in the control of a merchant on Shopify. Shopify has its own infrastructure, its own architecture, its own way that it delivers stuff. And um, yeah, a lot of that isn't in a merchant's control. And the reason they're on Shopify is that they let Shopify um, worry about that sort of stuff. Um, And I wouldn't necessarily say that the way that Shopify is doing it is, is wrong um, it's just that they've got that constraint um, and Google says, well, typically we see really fast sites having this other approach, therefore we mark you down a little bit. Um, and it doesn't actually make a difference to the end customer experience. And, and that's really what I think is the most important thing for um, for merchants to be caring about is rather than looking at that number and obsessing about getting it as low as possible, um, it's um, loading up the actual device in a fresh browser on a 3G mobile and seeing, you know, could I use this? Would I buy from this? Um, mm. What the actual experience is like for an end customer is the most important thing. Um, and often you can get that without a whole bunch of data and, and analytics. It's good to think about these different things. And um, uh, Google Lighthouse can often give you some really good tips and be like, Hey, this is the low hanging fruit to improve performance. And you can tackle that. Mm. And that's going to mean it's going to be faster for your customers. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's really dangerous to be obsessing about getting your score up to 90 or anything like that. When um, there are other things you could be doing uh, and, and there's yeah. always, there's always trade-offs. Yeah. 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 There's always trade-offs. The core web vitals thing is interesting because they've boiled it down even further to, to these three specific metrics um i think it's largest contentful paint cumulative layout shift and first input delay and, and i'm trying to better understand i don't fully understand all all the details around that but they're really boiling it down to these metrics that impact user experience and they're measuring the data in the field on a 28-day rolling period actual users what they're experiencing so i feel like they're 
and 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 also there's a pass fail. Uh, there's a pass fail. So it's not like well you have X out of a hundred and you want to get more. There's like a very clear you're either failing it or passing it. And almost everybody's failing it, which is <laughs> it's just like in and of itself is kind of funny because if everybody fails your test, like how meaningful is your test? Um, but uh, those those metrics are interesting. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. They're introducing it as a ranking signal in like May. Um, who, you know, who knows how big of a ranking signal it'll be. Um, but you know, it's, it's, um, I think a lot of people approach it the way you're describing is like, uh, you know, you can only spend so much time worrying about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the current lighthouse scores are looking at things like yeah, time to first bite. So how long it takes for the, yep. the first piece of data to hit, hit your browser, um, which is not something a, a user cares about, but a user does care about when's the first time that they can actually see an image or a button on a screen. Right. Um, they care about after this page starts loading, does it shift around on me? So, and, and yeah. Like, yeah. And that just gives you the, uh, the impression of so much slowness um, as, as a user. So I think that's the sort of stuff that, that actually matters. Yeah. So, um, any sort of tool that, that measures those kind of metrics, um, I would much yep. prefer over a rule of lighthouse speed. Yeah. Yeah. And actually another benefit to doing stuff in flow, like the loyalty program example, some of those other examples, um, is that you've got maybe one less thing on the front end, right? Like, like, you know, as opposed to a loyalty thing that has a bunch of front end stuff, if you're doing that all in, in flow, that's all happening really performantly in the background, in the background. Um, that's another little benefit there as well. Yeah. I think, I think app developers have, um, sort of just let front end developers take the blame for all the slowness <laughs> on, on websites for a long time. Um, yeah. but I, I think we're going to have to get a bit better about that. Um, there are, yeah, there are apps that you install them and they add um, another version of jQuery to the front end of theme. And, you know, I've seen sites that have literally right. 10 different versions of, of jQuery loading on every single right. page. Um, yeah. And that, yeah. it's kind of just irresponsible as an app developer. So, and, and there are techniques that you can use that um, you, you can make sure that your app is loading um, asynchronously only on the pages that it needs. Don't right. load jQuery if it's already on the page. If you really need it, ideally, you know, don't, don't use jQuery it. at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there's just so many things that you can do as an app developer to make that not painful and to actually have no impact on that initial page load as well. It's it's yeah. not that difficult to to build an app that does that. But I think yeah, historically, app developers have been like our focus is on the back end and the app stuff and front end uh, whatever. Um, so yeah. I, I do think that needs needs to change. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the nature of, of an app ecosystem is that as an app developer, you're focused on the, the business domain you're focused on, and that's where you're creating value and stuff like that. So then there's these negative externalities that, you know, are hard for you to worry about until they get surfaced up. And like, I think there's this new performance dashboard update that Shopify is launching in the summer, which has shows a, a, a history log of when performance changes and it shows like which app made an update and went, you know, things like that. So, um, I think those are going to be helpful. Yeah. I think if you can do that and then if in the app store, there's a way to sort of surface that information and just, it's at least if there can be a little green tick right. that's like minimal performance impacts. Um, I think that'll right. force a lot of app developers to focus on it a bit. Um, right. I, I, I right. think the increase in, um, 
headless builds as well will help with that because app developers are going to have to be building their apps in a way that offers functionality um, outside of the Shopify theme context and that has a more API sort of approach where um, front-end developers can choose what they want to pull in and when. Right. Um, um, so I think that'll help as well. Right. Are you getting involved in more headless builds? Uh, we have we have a number of, of clients that have um, that have headless stuff. I think when we build apps, we're almost always building them as a we expose an API to the front end. Um, right. And again, it's easier to do that if you're not a one-click install app and merchants expect it to be up and running um, because everyone's theme is so different um, and, and, and because we're working directly with merchants um, and their theme dev teams, we can sort of afford to take that approach, I guess, and build an API that we expose to the front end, um, but then it's up to the front end devs to, to actually build out what they want and call our APIs when they need that data, um, which leads to a much nicer experience for the for the customers in terms of performance. Like you're not even touching our app until you need it. Um, yeah. But it's obviously it's you can't do that if you've got a one-click install app on the, on the app store. Um, yeah. But I, I think that is going to become more and more common. So, um, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I caught the uh, podcast uh, with uh, the Shogun uh, founder on the stuff they're doing around headless, which was super interesting. And um, be interesting to see where that goes. But um, I know we're over our time, Gavin. Thank you so much. It's been fun catching up. Um, where uh, where's the best place for people to find you online? Uh, yeah, on Twitter is probably the best at Gavin Ballard. Very simple. Um, and if you want to email me, then I'm just Gavin at GavinBallard.com. 